Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. If you're not familiar with us, the Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades. Today, we closely follow third-generation driver Ryan Blaney, who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast, we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then preview the race for the upcoming weekend, offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, we're back again with another episode of the podcast, fresh off of the Federated Auto Parts Salute to American Heroes 400, a playoff race at Richmond Raceway for the NASCAR Cup Series. How'd you think the race went overall? Top 10 is a top 10 at this point, <laughs> you know, tens and then get them down to top fives in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, just keep moving forward. Uh, this was pretty good, uh, for, for the team, you know, Ryan did a great job keeping the car, you know, up when contention, uh, the night got really kind of goofy with a lot of green flag pitting, um, which, uh, is, you know, something that didn't used to happen at Richmond a lot. Cause there'd always be somebody hitting somebody at some point, but, uh, you know, the racing has gotten better as far as like nobody hitting anybody and the cars, uh, you know, don't fail as often. So um, a lot of green flag pit cycles and they didn't do a bad job uh, navigating through them. Uh, didn't have a huge major penalty or a huge major mistake like some other teams. So uh, overall, great night and, you know, points forward uh, going toward uh, Bristol where now they can just kind of let it all hang out and have a good night at Bristol. Yeah. in the racing, I know the last several years has it necessarily been that exciting at richmond and i don't know there wasn't really outside of some of the restarts here and there yeah the things that kept the the race interesting were the green flag pit cycles and strategy and who was going to come when because it was still almost like darlington where guys were trying to decide um you know should we come in a little bit earlier to use the to get fresh tires to kind of make up some ground or do uh, at one point i think denny hamlin's team was talking about he was convincing them that actually he wanted to stay out longer because he thought his car reacted to that a little bit better so um interesting race overall there wasn't a lot of fireworks uh wasn't a lot of beating and banging or anything like that i mean um richmond's a short track but it's kind of one of the bigger short tracks on the cup series schedule so it doesn't always uh result in all that close quarters racing that you would think of so um but yeah for ryan as as ryan said uh for once uh he had fun at richmond I had fun tonight. I actually had a lot of fun tonight. Um, you write that down? Yeah, that was fun. You know, um, September uh, 2021, I had fun at Richmond. Um, so, why don't we go ahead and take a look back at Ryan Blaney's race and the Federated Auto Parts Salute to American Heroes 400 this past weekend at Richmond Raceway. Ryan Blaney, race recap. Richmond Raceway. All right. Uh, stages were 80, 235, and 400. Uh, Ryan, of course, was starting eighth. And to the rear was the five and the 41. Uh, shock, shock, shocker. Shocker. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say And that. I tell you what, I was, uh, I'm was i way behind on this. And this is, I don't want to totally interject in your race recap, but I finally That's listened fine. to um, our our fellow podcaster dale jr in his little podcast the dale jr download not that many people know about it uh, but when he had done an interview with chad canals and he was kind of talking about uh the way that chad was innovative and that kind of stuff when it comes to bringing race cars to the track and trying different things and um 
I, every time a Hendrick car goes to the back now, especially the, the Chase Elliott cars most recently, I think of that innovative Chad Knauss leading Hendrick Motorsports. But hey, it's working. Yeah, they, they don't, you know, that's uh, some comments. I, I posted a thing. Um, I just want to put this in here too. posted a thing on the next next week's starting position and, and watch the comments come about qualifying. And, uh, you know, it's funny, but these guys get pushed to the back and it does not matter. We're going to find this out as, as I read this race report tonight, uh, that, uh, there, there's some guys that end up in the back and guess what? It, it don't matter. No. And I think we're watching radioactive this week. I think it was Eric Almarola, either him or his team had come on the radio as Larson was passing him. And he's like, man, these guys get sent to the back every week and they just drive right through the field. Like it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if they, you know, the teams that have it, they have it, you know, um, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, the 19 blows the, the restart and gets penalized. Uh, so, you know, but by lap four, um, Ryan's all the way up to fourth and the 11 leads. Um, and at lap 15, it's pretty much quiet on the radio. And this is going to be a recurring theme all night long because once they do get spread out and, uh, you know, it's really hard to pass. Sometimes it takes two to three laps of setting somebody up to get to the pass, to make the pass because, you know, if you're running the outside line, the guy on the inside line's got to run tighter. He loses momentum. You get, you know, you get a better thing off, off the, off the turn going down the backstretch and, you know, but, uh, lap 15, he, uh, you know, is up to fourth and, uh, the top five is the 11, the one, you know, the 22 and the two. So all the Penske guys are up in the top five doing, doing pretty good at that point. Um, Lap 25, he's about 3.5 seconds back of the leader, and they're starting to get into lap traffic. And at lap 30, we got that competition caution. Um, he's in fourth at this point in the 11 leads. Uh, they do a small air pressure adjustment because there's really not a lot to complain about, and they're just going to make a small swing and see what happens. Um, four tires fuel. Uh, in fourth, out fifth. Um, the four car, uh, which ends up being really good on pit stops all night long, green flag or otherwise, ends up passing on that pit cycle. Um, let's see here. Oh, and uh, the one takes lead also in that pit uh, pit stops. So the choose cone has the leader being the one going low, and Ryan goes low also. Um, he was at third and third for a little bit there. In lap 38, the four passed him, and Ryan's in fourth. And then we got a caution at lap 41 for the one. Um, which just, you know, was kind of weird because it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, they kept saying they didn't. They were trying to check through video to see if anybody happened to rub them on accident when they were warming up the tires. That They talked to the pit crew and they said they didn't miss or they didn't mess up a valve stem or something. The only thing that uh, came to my mind as well as some others was that maybe they went a little bit too low on the air pressures. Um, cause I know these, these crew chiefs, a lot of times definitely push the boundaries when it comes to that. And I know they have those tire experts, uh, on their teams, but also with Goodyear that are down there and they tell them like what the, you know, the, you know, the lowest that they can go in a tire is. And I know they go lower than that. So, um, it could have been that, or totally could have just run over something on the track, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately for the one car that puts them in a tough position when they go to Bristol this week. Yeah. Um, so this puts Ryan up to third and the next choose cone has uh, Denny as the uh, leader. He goes low and Ryan goes low and at lap 48 uh, there, they get a pretty good launch and they get all the way up to second um, lap 60. He's about 1.3 seconds back of the lead um, lap 69, the 22 passes him. He ends up in third at that point lap 70, the nine passes he's in fourth and at lap 75. Here comes 
the five car and uh, he passed him and uh, Ryan's in fifth. But, uh, you know, the end of the stage there comes up and uh, the 11 does win the stage, but Ryan fifth in the first stage. So, so there's some stage points right off the bat. Yeah, like I said, money in the bank. Uh, every That's what they need to do this week. That's what they need to do at Bristol. That's what they pretty much need to do at every race going forward. Maximize stage points. Um, so they're pinning with four tires and fuel. Um, in fifth, out sixth. The two actually has a pretty good pit stop. That's actually who ends up uh, passing him on pit road there. Um, you know, and that's another thing about these uh, pit stops, um, green flag or otherwise, is that if you've got a gap, coming into pit road sometimes that's where you lose it and, and they can't close those gaps sometimes when they come come down to pit road because you close the gap and then all this try to close the gap and then all of a sudden you're on pit road and you can't speed anymore to get to the guy behind you so or in front of you uh the choose come uh, for the uh restart on the st- second stage here the uh, 11 leads he takes the bottom ryan takes the top at lap 88 ryan's in sixth and uh you know the car starts to get away fade a little bit here i lap 93 he's an eighth um, the five car was holding up traffic and Ryan basically got caught in the wrong line. Here's what happened. So once again, the, you know, what line you're in on a restart and what happens those four five, six laps afterward, uh, you know, can kind of ruin your night a little bit for, for a little while there lap one Oh one, uh, the 18 does pass Ryan and Ryan's in ninth at this point. Um, at one Oh three, they start talking to him about, uh, you know, what we got to do here. And, uh, he's you know says it's chattering loose in chattering through the middle and loose off so um the next next pit stop may go back the other direction on some changes lap 124 he's ninth about uh one second ahead of the the car in 10th place so he's holding off the the four car pretty good lap 132 they start this green flag pit cycle now like you said a minute ago um you, you know if you are the first car out and this is the same thing i said last week and it's a you know, a second faster on newer tires, a lap, and you get two or three laps in before anybody else, you've gained two or three seconds on the field. Um, the only other thing about that, the only caveat going the other direction is that if you um, pit too early and lose the lap, and then all of a sudden there's a caution in between, then you're playing catch up. You may be ha- hoping that you're allowed to do the, uh, the wave around or, or, you know, or lucky dog it if you have to. <clears throat> So that's the only thing about staying out later sometimes on these pit cycles too. And there were cars that actually stayed out later and it actually helped them as the night went on. Um, the cycle starts and um, he ends up ninth starting that cycle. Um, lap 134 comes in for four tires and fuel. Lap 140, he's in 10th here. And uh, the 10 car actually did a pretty good job on that pit cycle. And that's that's actually who ends up passing him on the pit cycle. Um, at lap 148, he says there's no front end. It's kind of slow. And at lap 155, he's still, though, in 10th, um, about 14 seconds back of the leader and about 1.5 seconds back of the 10 car, who's in ninth. Lap 169, the, the 20 passes him, so he's in 11th. And uh, lap 176, he starts having a lot of pressure from 48 and the 24. They're kind of double-teaming him. The Hendrick boys are coming up. Um, lap 177, the 48 does pass him, so he's in 12th. And, you know, this is when Ryan says he's spinning tires down the straightaway is what he says. And um, I, I think it's similar to what Harvey talked about in the broadcast that Harvick had said, where it, it felt like they were running on ice, basically. So, you know, thing is, is, 
you know, when you hear Ryan's report of this, there's also 25 other guys that may be reporting the same thing, having the same problems. And it's just how, how each car handles it differently. You know, he seemed really confused just based on the, the scanner chatter. Cause like you said, yeah, he said, I'm just, I'm just spinning them down the front stretch. I don't know what's happening. So, um, yeah, struggling a little bit at this point, but not super bad. I mean, they, they've kind of at this point in the race settled into their what's become their normal Richmond type running position. Yeah. Um, at lap 179, the 24 passes, he's in 13th. At lap 180, they do another green flag pit cycle. And um, in the next nine laps, as it cycles back through, um, basically he starts at 13th, ends up 13th. Um, and, uh, the nine ends up, let's see here, the four car passes him on pit road, basically in that cycle. Cause he kind of gained a position, but then he lost a position, uh, at lap 200, he's in 13th still and about 20 seconds off the lead. So, you know, two green flag pit cycles and still on the lead lap is actually pretty good in, in, in this situation. Um, you know, the bigger tracks, you might've actually lost the lap at this point. So, um, the laps are all around 24 second mark. So, Hopefully, like I said, the lap traffic will hold off, and we were hoping that he'd stay on the lead lap going into the next stage. Uh, at lap 207, uh, Josh tells Ryan that the 48 is in 10th, so that's about 1.5 seconds ahead of Ryan, even though Ryan's in 13th. So, I mean, if he could just get around some guys, he could get back to that top 10. Um, and lap 215, uh, he does pass the 24 and gets up to 12th. <clears throat> excuse me, lap 218. Um, they're talking about how far back the leader is, uh, with like 17 to go in the stage, uh, lap 229, he passes the two car, gets himself up to 11th and, uh, lap 235, the end of the stage, Denny does win the stage, but Ryan does end up 11th, um, you know, close to a stage point, but, uh, not bad actually gaining ground on the field, uh, as time went on. And he was close too. you see, he was like you said, he was only, a second or two outside of that top 10. I'm, I know it was only going to be one point, but still one point can be important. And I was hoping for it. So at this point he's finished fifth in the first stage, 11th in the second stage. And now they're going to make a pit stop again, some ju- adjustments and head out for the final stage of the race. You know, um, two, two stages of racing, two green flag pit stops in that stage there. And um, Ryan's 11th, but there's only 12 cars on the lead lap at that point. And I guess we'll get a lucky dog making it 13. So, you know what? That's not too bad either that you're actually still with that main group of guys on the lead lap. Um, he says the turn was better, but he lost a little bit in the drive. So um, they were also talking about the brake temperatures here. So they kind of like, we're just keeping an eye on that. Um, but the adjustments they had made, were going the right direction now. Um, pitting, they go in 11th, they come out 11th. So basically the hold serve there too. Um, there was a penalty on the 42 for being too fast. And, uh, somebody else had something because Ryan ends up starting the stage in ninth uh, with the choose cone with the 11 going to the bottom. Ryan goes to the bottom, um, at lap 248, he's in ninth at lap 249, he passes the 10 car and he's up to eighth, uh, lap 250. We have a caution for the 23. Um, they're staying out cause they only have about four laps in, uh, the choose cone is the, uh, the 11, he takes the bottom. Ryan takes the bottom also. Uh, lap 255, there's the restart, and uh, all four Gibbs cars, you know, are in the front at this point. So they, you can see who's, you know, who's really got the speed there at Richmond, and it's all all Gibbs at that point. Um, at lap 258, he passes the 48th, and he's up to seventh. 
and at lap two, 61, the 42 passes. So he's in eighth. And then we have the four and the nine, a couple of laps later passing and he's in the 10th at lap 273, the three and the 10 pass him also. And he's in 12. So he ends up in a lot of traffic here, two, three cars at a time coming at him at lap 291. Uh, he's about 13 seconds back at the leader in 12th position. And then the green flag cycle starts at lap two, 294. Uh, to 296 there, he does come in pits. So they don't wait too long, only a lap or two before the first couple guys. Um, Ryan, uh, at the end of that cycle, uh, Ryan cycles back to 13th. Um, and Bell's about three seconds in front of Ryan for the next position. So, uh, Ryan's about 15 seconds back at the leader at that point. I think it was the 42 actually took the lead in that cycle. At lap 315, he does pass the 48th and gets up to 12th. At lap 327, he passes the two and gets himself to 11th. And at lap 340, they're talking about pitting. And, of course, in a lap or two later, that cycle starts. Um, he starts that cycle 11th. And when the cycle's all over with, he's, he's 11th, but now he's a lap down. Now they've actually lost the lap um, in this green flag cycle. It's pretty quiet at, from lap 253, 235, I'm sorry, 351 to the end there. It's pretty quiet the rest of the way. There's points during this run, I think, too, where he was in the in the free pass position and just a caution wasn't coming. And it was just like, come on, come on, <laughs> come on, come on, yeah. come on. But yeah. then eventually you'll probably get to it, but eventually the the leaders get to the three car and put the three lap down. And then the three is in the free pass position for several, several laps. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I say it's pretty quiet on the radio here, but, uh, if you had the NASCAR app, um, Ryan was one of the in-car cameras. And when they show that in-car camera, like on TV, you know, that's, that's where they're getting it from. Well, you could watch it the whole race and the last 20 or 30 laps. Um, you know, basically that's what I was watching because you could see, exactly what was in front of him and at uh like you said the three car was the car for position and uh you know all the the tv is showing you the 19 he's leading and whether or not the 11's catching him but at a certain point um the 11 car in second place passes the three and ryan from that point he's three about three tenths faster a second a lap on that three car and now he has no traffic between him no no lap traffic between them and that last 10 laps or so, he tracked down the three car and uh, <laughs> made the pass basically on, what do you say, in turns three and four, basically, yeah. coming to the checkered flag. Yeah, right in that last lap. It definitely made that last, you know, 10 or 15 laps very exciting. At one point during that run, I, I you know, on this in-car camera, because they weren't, like you said, weren't really showing it on TV. Um, but I'm like, it looked like the 11 was just, you know, about a, a straightaway, which isn't that big at Richmond or at far at Richmond ahead of Ryan. And I was like, wow, he's, he's caught up to the 11. So basically everybody, the 11 passes Ryan, you know, they're up next for Ryan. And then as, as soon as I realized that, and the three had already been lapped by Truex and on TV, they're saying the 11 was catching Truex. So I said, that means that three, isn't that far off and that's when i got excited <laughs> and then just totally focused on ryan's run through that in-car camera the rest of the way um i think it had shown them going into the turn side by side at one point and then it, the camera switched to just his front view but uh, made the last you know they know they're just racing for 10th but we did have josh williams on here uh several episodes ago 
when they finished tenth somewhere, and he said, you know, they just wanted to get that. You know, there's there's such a big difference between eleventh and tenth, and they want to get that that tenth position if they can, if they're in that position. Obviously, they would want more, but it means a lot. And Ryan tracked them down. Uh, the three put up a little bit of a fight there. It wasn't super easy. I think it took a couple of laps to pass them. Um, so, but I'm sure, uh, and I think I mentioned earlier, we played that clip a little bit earlier, Ryan saying that Richmond was fun this time. I think the first, you know, 385 laps didn't sound like they were necessarily, well, I don't know. The first like hundred laps were fun. Cause he was running out, out in the top 10, um, the middle, you know, 300 laps, maybe not so much fun, but those last 10 or 15 laps for him probably was back to, you know, he was racing for position and it was fun to watch. Yeah, they, they, I'm not sure if it was Josh or Todd, but somebody got on the radio and all the, all they said was the three is for position. That's basically all they said. That three is for position. And if he's close enough to see him at that point, and uh, you know, he's close enough to get to him. And like I said, uh, from what I was tracking, he was about three tenths faster than the three car anyway. So it was just a matter of, you know, closing the gap between the, the those last 10, 15 laps, you know, at the end of the race. So, yeah, kudos to them guys for you know getting that one point position. And uh, the best part about that is now we're we're looking at twenty eight points above the cut line. And I know last week I brought up the the what it, where it was the year prior, and uh, last year at this point I believe I saw it was twenty seven points below the cut line. So you know last year they had to win Bristol to make it to the next round. This year. Um, I, I don't know. There's some statistical people out there trying to put together some things, but I know a good finish in the first stage basically will pretty close to locking them in. Um, I think there's only 37 or 38 cars uh, in this race. So, yeah, I mean, I tweeted kind of right after the race. I mean, I was pumped up again. I, and I said, you know, on the team Blaney account, it might not seem like that big of a deal, but for this team, it was a big deal. One, they added some more points to the bank. They went from what twenty plus twenty two to plus twenty plus twenty eight in the mm-hmm. playoff standings. Plus, Ryan Blaney's first top ten at Richmond in his Cup Series career, which is eleven starts. He has an average finish of twenty two, but his last two starts at the track, he finished eleventh earlier in the spring, and then tenth. So. Moving in the right direction, Todd Gordon, ahead of the race, had said that he thought that they had found something in the spring. Obviously, they didn't find Gibbs speed, um, but I think maybe they found uh, a way that Ryan was, you know, a a line or something or the way to manage tires or uh, setup wise, whatever it was. They found something to where they can at least run fairly competitively. And he did. He ran up in the top five for the first quarter of the race and then kind of held serve there between seventh and 11th for pretty much the rest of the way um Mm -hmm. if there are some more restarts and stuff ryan is statistically one of the best restarters in the cup series so i think there could have been opportunities for him to gain some more track position which seemed actually be really important uh in this race so um i was impressed uh had a good time watching Ryan track the three down and it was just another solid weekend that he really needed, especially after, after the brake failure that happened at Darlington in the first round. So for him to have that happen, have a solid top 10 here in Richmond, be 28 to the good. It doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy inside yet. He's not, you know, plus 80 plus 60, whatever point. So he's still Bristol still means something here. Um, just hoping for a good finish in that first stage. Like you said, All right, so I think that pretty much wraps it up for our race recap for Ryan Blaney's run 
in the Federated Auto Parts Salute to American Heroes 400 this past weekend at Richmond Raceway. But hey, I think it's about that time we take a look back here now at the history of NASCAR. This week in NASCAR history. First up for this week's edition of This Week in NASCAR History, we're going way back, all the way back to September 14th. 1947, a huge crowd of 20,000 turns out for the 160-lap race at North Wilkesboro. Marshall T. wins as more than 1,000 carloads of racing fans are turned away due to a lack of parking space. It's the key to any any good race day is getting a good parking. I remember that. You're, you're very proud of your parking at Indy. Up next, we go to September 16th, 1962. Fred Lorenzen drives a Ford owned by 19-year-old Mammy Reynolds to victory in the 100-mile NASCAR Grand National event at Augusta Speedway in Georgia. Reynolds is the daughter of U.S. Senator Robert R. Reynolds and is the first female car owner to win a race in NASCAR. Moving on to September 14, 1964, team owner Cotton Owens ends his retirement as a driver and wins the Capital City 300 at Richmond, beating his hired driver David Pearson by a full lap. And now we go to September 14, 1975. Richard Petty overcomes a six-lap deficit and edges Dick Brooks to win the Delaware 500 at Dover Downs International Speedway. Petty's Dodge snaps a tire rod that requires a lengthy pit stop to repair. Petty gets back onto the lead lap with a late caution and outruns Brooks and Benny Parsons in the final laps. And finally, September 19, 1999, Joe Nemechek pulls a shocking upset by winning the Duralube Kmart 300 at New Hampshire International Speedway. It is Nemechek's first career NASCAR Winston Cup win in the first victory for team owner Felix Sabatis since 1995. Well, that's it for this week in NASCAR history. Tune in again to next week's episode as we'll take you on another trip through the history of NASCAR. All right, Steve, before we get to our race preview for this weekend's race, the Bristol Night Race, we have some Dave Blaney news. Dave was in action at Sharon Speedway at the annual Apple Fest Nationals in a 410 sprint car again. I think this is a third race, I think, that he's run at Sharon this year. Won a World of Outlaw race earlier in the year. He ran the Lou Blaney Memorial, and then now he was running here in the season finale at Sharon Speedway. And Steve, if I'm right, he set quick time on the night. Do you have the stats on that? Yeah, I got the uh, uh, sprint group one qualifying uh, 14.491, which is really fast at Sharon Speedway. Uh, they went uh, heat one. Um, he was in heat one. He went from fourth to second in the heat. He started that A main on the outside of row four, which is eighth position. And uh, by lap 12, he took the lead and uh, went on to victory. Um, pretty good night for, for Dave uh, making his way around Sharon Speedway. Yeah, and I know, like I said, uh, I was talking to you a little bit earlier. Yeah, he picked up that World of Outlaws win earlier in the year. He battled the All-Stars there. Um, This specific race, it was kind of a mixture of locals and uh, a few guys that drove in for this race. It's annual race, kind of one of the bigger events, just kind of bigger regular type events on the, the season at Sharon Speedway. But Dave's one of those guys. I mean, yeah, he's a former World of Outlaws champion, obviously NAS- uh, National Sprint Car Hall of Famer. So he knows how to wheel a 410 Sprint Car. But he isn't out there every week like a lot of these other guys are. A uh, really good run out there for the Buckeye Bullet. I know a lot of people are excited to see Dave still strap into a Sprint Car 
And uh, I was hoping, I was hoping, you know, I saw, you know, Dave had won about halfway through the Richmond race, and I was like, all right, now it's time for Ryan to go out there and win. But Ryan yeah. still came home, like we said, with a top 10. But um, always cool to see Dave back in victory lane, especially at a place so special like Sharon Speedway. He had um, some great pictures of, uh, you know, after the win, and he actually had his uh, Ryan Blaney Family Foundation fire suit on this time. Ryan Blaney, weekend preview. Bristol Motor Speedway. Hey, Steve, why don't we go ahead and look forward now to the upcoming Bristol night race where Ryan Blaney isn't too shabby when it comes to races at Bristol Raceway in his career. He's led a total of 439 laps. It is a little bit odd. He has an average finish of 20th, but all of those laps led plus in the Xfinity series and the truck series, he's gone to victory lane. Now he just needs to add a cup series victory to that stat line. Yeah, this is um, you know, we were there in 2019 for the uh, the uh, the night race, and uh, he he does a great job of carving it through the field, um, running the running the correct line, um, and great job of passing. Uh, Bristol is going to be one of those things where you just got to stay out of trouble, basically, and usually it's other people's trouble. I, I made a joke uh, earlier today in a text message uh, about uh, stay out of way of Rick Ware racing incidents, basically, <laughs> since they've been having fun with each other. Um, it always seems to be somebody two laps down that causes, you know, causes somebody, you know, in the lead or, you know, one of the leaders, you know. Um, so, you know, if, as long as he can do that and keep it in the top 10, top five, you know, get some stage points in that first stage and uh, make it almost impossible for anybody to catch him. Uh, or, you know, and, and really what's great about this point now is they can move forward and maybe move up in those standings so that they start that next round of the playoffs up nice and high, you know, and above the fray right off the bat. And part of what we were just talking about just has, that has to do with points. And it's one of those things, I mean, I wanted to ask you about was what do you think his, and this team's intensity level should be right out of the gate? They're going to have what I think a top 10 starting position for this race they need to get stage points, some solid stage points in that first stage at least to get build up enough of a cushion to save them if something kind of goes awry a little bit later in the race. So do you think that they're going to try to be safe is, or is, is Ryan just going to kind of let loose and drive Bristol like he always has? I, I don't think you can drive it um, cautiously. If you're driving cautiously, you're waiting for something bad to happen. Um Josh, uh, I was texting with Josh actually, and he says, let's just go, you know, we'll go win it. That's, that's your best bet is to stay up front and uh, stay in the clear and, and, you know, go win the thing. So I think that's really what they're going to do. They have, uh, they've got enough cushion right now, actually, to, to the cut line where they can just, you know, go for it. And I don't think there's any reason that, uh, that he can't keep them up front and be in the top five and, and make a couple passes and, and maybe be the best car by the end of the night. So that's what I'm looking for Saturday night. And he has a lot of experience up front, like we were just saying. He has 11 total starts in points races at Bristol with an average finish of 20th. But he's led multiple laps in four of those starts. 100 laps, 121 laps, 158 laps, and 60 laps. Plus, he also ran really well in the All-Star race that they held there a couple of years ago that I think Chase Elliott went on to win after that. Um 
is exciting to watch him win in 2014 the Xfinity Series. In 2015, he went back and won in the Truck Series for Brad Keselowski Racing. So it's one of those weird places where it's one of his best tracks, but the finishes don't always show it. Yeah, they um, like I said, he's really good at running the right line there, and um, when he gets into traffic, he gets out of it pretty well. Um, you know, it's it's you know, hopefully there's just you know, basically they cleaned up their act and, uh, as far as pit crew go, goes last week, and they were pretty good hold and serve. Same thing here, you know, just keep keep it clean. Um, I'm gonna you know gonna find it interesting to see how many laps they run without a caution. I really think this is one of those races where. Uh, they could go 100 laps without a caution, um, as good as everybody's running right now. Yeah, there's definitely times when drivers kind of get into a rhythm at Bristol where it can go a couple hundred laps, um, green flag. And it gets a little bit interesting there just to see if anyone's able to kind of move up through the field or whether they just hold serve in their positions. Why don't we take a look at the last several winners here at Bristol? Um and one guy is definitely going to come out, uh, or at least one family, I guess, uh, is going to pop up here when we go through these results. So Kevin Harvick won the last race. Before that, Brad Keselowski, Ryan's teammate. Denny Hamlin went to victory lane. Then we have Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch. Then going all the way back to Jimmy Johnson in 2017 and Kevin Harvick in 2016. So... The names, I mean, we kind of see this from week to week. Um, a lot of it is just veterans that have been around for a long time that have been winning races. But you got Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch. You got Denny Hamlin. You got Kevin Harvick with multiple wins at Bristol. And if I was going to say, name a driver that you think uh, is going to run well at Bristol, a Bush brother was going to come up most likely, and Kevin Harvick was going to come up because historically he's been really well at that track. So, um, is there anybody else name that comes to mind? Do you think Truex um, will Keselowski actually blew or not? I mean, I know that kind of everybody's kind of like, well, he's kind of done for at Penske and so on. But uh, truth is, is, this is a really good track for him. Uh, he's won there three or four times, going all the way back to uh, 2011, 2011, yep. 2012. And um, why not? why you know what could keep him you know from winning i mean he he could get it up front and if he gets it up front he's going to be a hard guy to pass and we didn't bring this up going in but also this is the only race there this year that's actually on the concrete uh, yeah. when we went there in the spring they had covered it over with dirt i know going into that race i was really excited i know you guys uh, went and saw a little bit of racing there in the spring while yeah. it was dirt. <laughs> um, you saw a heat race, I think, and some yeah, stuff before the Mother Nature yeah. washed it out. Washed um, it But it's just weird for me. I think we talked about this before or after our show last week just a little bit about how now it's like now that that's already gone and done with, and I know they're going to do it again next spring, but I was like, man, I kind of really just miss having two classic Bristol races out there on the concrete. So I'm really looking forward to this race coming up Saturday night. Um, they, they, here's another thing. They've power washed the crap out of that track. And I don't know how that surface is going to react. And allegedly they were talking about putting, um, that, uh, compound, uh, not the, uh, 
It'll come to me. I think they're going to do the PJ one. They talked about are they they now? Yeah, whether they're going to do the resin or not. That resin is the stuff that they've been using at Michigan and at Nashville Mm -hmm. and some other places. But I think they did officially land on laying down the PJ one again on the track, which has worked relatively okay. I think they're they tried to get the what in this case I think it was to get the bottom groove to come in a little bit more because guys were kind of as the runs went on would creep up higher and higher. So they want to have a bottom groove that's still viable. Yeah, I have a, I don't know why it couldn't, didn't come to me right off the bat there, but yeah, the the resin, um, a lot of guys actually like it, and they think that's going to have a future. Um, but yeah, they're going to they. I knew they were going to have to treat the track after the way they power washed all that stuff off of there. So, um, how the track and the rubber uh, off the tires react, you know. And this weekend is a three race weekend. We have uh, trucks uh, Thursday night and then Xfinity Friday night. So there will be some rubber depending on how much weather they get in there. If any rain happens, um, and it, it should be they, interesting. Yeah. And I think they actually also have, they also have an ARCA race there as well, but I think that's the different thing there is I think it's general tires. So it's a different tire compound, which sometimes messes things up a little bit, but I think by the time the trucks are out there, the Xfinity cars are out there and then the cup guys get out there, hopefully it will be, uh, well worn in for that race that's coming up on Saturday night. So again, if you want to catch this race, it's the Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race this Saturday. So again, it's a second week in a row, uh, two out of the last or three out of the last four weeks that we've had a Saturday night race. Um, this one coming at Bristol Motor Speedway, 7:30 p.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN, and then you can catch it on the radio on PRN this week in SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. I thought um, I saw somewhere where they're bringing back the introduction songs for the drivers. I think that's true. I saw some Bubba Wallace tweets going out where he was getting some fans to help him out. So I'm not sure what Ryan's going to go with. Uh, um, Sturgill Simpson, uh, he named his dog after him. That's a possibility. Uh, I'm not really sure who. He's he's friends with several artists. So if he doesn't go with that, we'll see what it is. I think um, somebody um, on the uh, Team Blaney Twitter uh, should... should, uh, We should start a Twitter thread. And I want as many suggestions from, uh, from the team blaney fans on the twitter let's see what your suggestions look like next day or two before they may uh, announce something yeah let's hear you let's hear your ideas and even uh, if, if it's not i mean i don't know when they had to turn him in i know bubba was saying something about by noon earlier he need to have a decision but even if it's not if it's a suggestion we can turn it into predictions too what do you think what do you yeah. think it should be or what do you think it will be so i my prediction is a sturgill simpson song that's my guess, um, but I'm not 100 percent sure. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. So at us at uh, at Team Blaney uh, on uh, Twitter, and uh, let us know what you think. All right, Steve. So we're really excited for this weekend's race coming up, the Bristol Night Race, obviously at Bristol Motor Speedway. But I don't want to go uh, end the show before we talk about our fantasy racing update because I tell you what, uh, we both have had a pretty decent last couple of weeks and specifically this last week. I know I kind of want to brag on myself a little bit here. Uh, I really kind of had one pick out of my lineup uh, for this race at Richmond that didn't go as, as planned, but listen to my lineup here and yours might be very similar because we were pretty close when it came to the points uh, earned this past week. So uh, my lineup for Richmond was I was starting Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, 
Kyle Busch, and I had Alex Bowman in the garage, which actually I'm pretty sure I had Kyle in the garage going into the race. And at some point when Bowman was looking like he was going to be like a 15th place car, I took him back out. And unfortunately, I think at some point Bowman actually raced back up into 7th or 8th or something, and I was was worried about my decision. But then Kyle Busch actually took the lead, and I thought he was going to win, which um, wouldn't have necessarily worked out for the rest of my picks, but was still looking pretty okay. But here it goes. I think this is the second time this season where I've had this happen where I have swept the bonus picks and uh, had Martin Truex Jr. as the race winner. I had Chase Elliott as the top Chevrolet. I had Joey Logano as the top Ford. I had Truex, um, or I had Toyota as the uh, top manufacturer. I had Truex as the top Toyota, and I had Joe Gibbs Racing as the winning team. So swept the bonus picks and uh, had a really, really solid starting lineup there. Um, my lowest finisher was Brad Keselowski, who at points in the race seemed like he was going to be able to finish pretty well. He did end up coming home in the 13th position, so uh, one position behind Alex Bowman, who was in my garage, but Keselowski actually netted me one more point than Bowman with 28 points uh, for the race. So not too shabby, and you actually finished it a few points ahead of me. I think where I was at 267 or 269 or something like that so i'm guessing our lineups looked very similar is that true yeah the starting lineup at truex hamlin logano larson and harvick um bowman in the garage but i never thought about taking him out um truex i had as the winner i had truex you know top toyota toyota as the manufacturer gibbs as the team i had larson as the top chevy and ryan as the top ford and uh, they were just a spot or two out of that. So, yeah, pretty close to the same things. Uh, picking the race winner and, you know, and having all that, that, that makes a huge difference. So why don't I go ahead and run through the top ten. And, again, I say this every week, but it's the same people that are just masters at picking in this Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. But the top ten in points earned this past week at Richmond Raceway. In first, we have Blaney Kicks Beep. In second, Moon Cup. In third was your team, Mez 12, with 269 points. You were tied with Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing in third. And then my team, Team Blaney Admin, was in fifth with 267 points. Uh, I didn't want to go back to Blaney Kicks Beep, but in that first position, 281 points. Um, that's He had almost a, he or she almost had a perfect uh, lineup well, when it came to this all past the, week. All, all their bonus picks, uh, Truex, yeah, Chase is the top. Uh, Chevy, they had Joey as the top forward. Yeah. So they had all the bonus picks correct. Yeah. So that's that's what pushed me over the top was sweeping the bonus picks, definitely. So in sixth, we had Blaney's Daisy, another one that's up front a lot. Seventh, we had the Nutty Gamer with 255 points. In eighth, we had Rochi 12. In ninth, we had David Lazaro. And rounding out the top 10 for points earned at Richmond, we have the Dolly Llama 4. So let's take a look at. Uh, I'm just going to be naming off all of them, but the playoff standings were just kind of separates the points into just these playoff races and points earned. And I'm a fan of the playoff standings. I think I mentioned this last week and you'll see why. Uh, in first, we have Blaney Kicks Beep with 527 points. In second, we have Moon Cup. In third, we have Doug K0525 with 496 points. Most importantly, in fourth, we have my team, Team Blaney Admin, with 494 points. In fifth, we have Rochi 12. In sixth, we have Clyde's Chicken Bit Racing. In seventh, we have Super Mod. In eighth, we have your team, Mez 12. In Here, ninth, kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> in ninth, we have Blaney's Daisy. And rounding out the top ten, we have the Dalai Lama 4. 
So, since I'm not done yet reading the statistics or the standings here, finally, for the team playing in NASCAR Fantasy Live League, we're going to go to the overall league standings, which probably mean the most. In the first position, still holding down first, we have Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing with 5,517 points. In second, we have Blaney Kicks Beep. In third, we have Doug, zero five, Doug K0525. In fourth, we have Moon Cup with 5,433 points. Fifth, we have Rogue Tough. Sixth, we have the Dalai Lama 4. Seventh, we have Blaney's Daisy. Eighth, we have Glitterbugs. Ninth, we have Go Larson. And in tenth, we have Vans 12 with 5,159 points. You are still holding down the 12th position there in my team up to 19th, tied for 19th with cool guy 2k with 4,951 points. So I'm, I'm top, I'm 10 points out of the top 10. I've got my face, face pressed against the window, breathing on the glass. I can see the top 10 and you're here. getting there. What you're as high as six. I think it's something yeah. of just a few weeks ago. So you are, yeah. you're getting there. And as Steve says every week, even if you haven't played all year long, if you have an account with us for the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League, just jump in there because we read the top 10 from points earned for each race and you might get your name mentioned here on the Team Blaney podcast. Yeah, the smart the smart people wait to the last four or five races after everybody's used up all the good drivers. <laughs> that's, that's a good idea. That's a yeah. good strategy. And then, and then win a couple. Mart, Steve, unless you have anything else, I think that just about wraps it up for this, this episode, right? I think, yeah, I think all we got to do now is uh, go out and win another race. You know Let's what? That's more. that's what I'm looking forward to. What? That'd be number four. That would yeah. be number four if Ryan could go. And to come at a race like Bristol, which I know NASCAR's kind of looking for with the Brickyard 400 going away. I think we're looking for a, a fourth crown jewel, and I don't think the night race counts yet, but I've heard Brad Keselowski and several other guys that have won it <laughs> push for it to become possibly NASCAR's fourth crown jewel event, and I think Ryan might be someone that sees it that way. Yeah, as long as everybody, uh, you know, from the team keeps it keeps it on tight, um, and then and, and they do everything the way they did last week, I see it being a top five kind of night. And you know, once he's in that top five, you never know what can happen. So again, don't forget the race again is this Saturday, 7:30 p.m. Eastern Time, the Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race. Tune in to cheer on Ryan Blaney, or go and see it in person. If you are there in person, send us some photos. We'll share them on the Team Blaney social media accounts. I want to thank everyone for tuning into this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to our very first episode that really dives deep in how we both became fans of the Blaney Racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Team Blaney, and also on Instagram. Don't forget to also download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney Podcast on the Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and Spotify apps. Once again, to close out the show, we want to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, or on Twitter at rbfamfoundation, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation, and they also have a very active Instagram account. For my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers, and we will catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels and Dublin. Big fun. <laughs>